Now we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. And welcome back to Mile High Magazine. It's Murphy Houston. Joining me is my friend Jayla Sanchez-Warren, who's in charge of the Area Agency on Aging, for Dr. Cog, the Denver Regional Council of Government's Area Agency on Aging. And it's our weekly visit with Dr. John Douglas from Tri-County Health, formerly with the CDC. Jayla, things are good? Things are good. Things are busy. Yeah, well, they're always going to be busy, I think, for a while here. And it's time also for our little weekly conversation with our friend Dr. John Douglas from Tri-County Health, formerly with the CDC. And Dr. Douglas, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine, Murph. Uh, uh, enjoying uh, enjoying the summer and uh, uh, things are good. Yeah, they seem to be going well, and I guess that's a good time just to hop into it uh, now that school is back. What a couple of weeks now, school seems to be going okay. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's going okay. I mean, we're seeing articles every day about this school had a case and that school. The kids had to go home for two weeks, and 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 that is making the news as it did around the country. But I think it's important for everybody to bear in mind. That's exactly what we expected to happen. Uh, we, we know that we're in, in, as a community in really good shape right now. We've got one of the lowest rates of infection in the country. So we must be doing something right, but we do have some infection. And so we know that when there's community transmission and when you test people, you're going to find cases and the business about teachers being asked to stay home to be in isolation or classes being quarantined. Is exactly what you think you know is going to happen when you bring people back together. I think the key thing is so far we haven't seen any cases that appear to be related to transmission in the schools. That's what everybody worried about. Kids are going to give it to each other. They're going to give it to a teacher, this sort of thing. And it's obviously pretty early, but at least so far we haven't seen that happen. What What is the plan uh, if some child comes down with the COVID, are they going to quarantine just the child, the whole class, the whole school? What are they going to do? So there's actually a pretty careful playbook worked out. Um, if, a, if a child is, is diagnosed with COVID, um, or honestly, Murph, if they even have symptoms of COVID, they should stay home. Um, we'd like to get that child, uh, uh, have, uh, get that, uh, have, have the family get the child tested as soon as possible. So we know if we're dealing with COVID, for sure, that will affect plans. But if you do have a positive case in a child or a teacher, they should stay home for the duration of the illness, number one. That's called isolation. Uh, the, the people they've been exposed to, and right now we think anybody who's been in contact with somebody else uh, within six feet for 15 minutes ought to be deemed to be an exposed person, and they ought to be in quarantine for two weeks. Now, that's where it gets burdensome, and two weeks is not picked out of thin air. It's the incubation period. If I expose you, you've got up to 14 days to start to get sick and be able to transmit it to other people. So we want those people to stay away from others to avoid transmission. If we get enough cases like that in a school, that's when we start to talk about closing schools. We're not there yet. Um, and hopefully that doesn't happen. But there's a pretty carefully worked out plan, and our team at Tri-County is working with uh, districts across our three counties as they open up and begin to encounter cases. Well, what do you think of that, Jill? I know you've got your daughter home, right, but that's because of uh, the family situation and grandmas and grandpas and that kind of thing? That's right, and me being the, the primary caregiver for them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad there's options, right? I'm glad 
that the schools have um, a plan. Plans worked out. It seems online. I can tell you online so far, it's working out really good for my daughter. Um, she's doing great. Um, so, uh, you know, there's options for every family, and I think that's good. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and maybe Jayla, since we're here talking with uh, Dr. John Douglas, I'm interested in uh, what you guys think of what the governor has done now, set rules for visitation in nursing homes. How do we feel about that? Well, I think nursing homes are, um, you know, residents really need visitation from um, families and friends. I just don't know how likely it is um, uh, that we're going to be able to understand if families can go in or not. So getting that information quickly, right, because there's numbers involved if you have, and Dr. John, maybe you can um, help there. Um, I can't remember the numbers, but if you have a certain amount of cases in that area, then you then you can have, or under a certain amount of cases, then you can have visitation. Um, but over that, uh, how do you get that information quickly? And then for those that need to have a test, uh, before they can go see their loved one within 24 hours. It's really hard to get a test that quickly. So there's two big kind of barriers right there, but um, a start. it's a start, and, and we're happy. You know, we've, we've started seeing facilities, and it's at the facility's discretion too. So that's something else we have to remember. Not all facilities are doing, are opening up their, uh, their buildings to anybody yet. I mean, they're still... Um, facilities that aren't even opening up to um, therapies or hospice services. What well, are there specific rules, John? Can you address that? Yeah, there are. Although, let me point out a couple of things. First of all, Jayla, correct me if I'm wrong, but we we have we do have a situation where visit stations have been carefully allowed in outdoor settings. Um, right. I think, but not all. The, but not all are doing it. And not all are doing it, and maybe all don't even have good, appropriate places to do it. But just to be clear, that is a possibility right now. Uh, right. Secondly, what's come out is actually draft guidance. We're actually reviewing it this morning, and I haven't dived into it in detail. I will say that Jayla's right that not all testing comes back that fast, and that's a critical component. The other is the state is trying to create greater clarity in what I would have to say. is sometimes not always been crystal clear about what what different what different things can happen at different levels of what we call community transmission. And what we mean by that is really how many cases are your community having uh, averaged out for the population. And when I said earlier, Colorado in general is in uh, quite good shape among the states, it does vary by county. So some of our counties have got higher rates than others. When these rules are finalized, there will be some visitation differences based on that. I think where your county stands will be made pretty clear, so I don't think that'll be hard to figure out. Uh, but it will uh, hopefully give everybody some greater understanding. And I think it's a smart way to do that, honestly, because whether you're talking about schools or you're talking about senior care facilities, the biggest driver of getting infection in those places is what's happening in the community because when people come and go in schools, when people go to work in a senior care facility, that's where the infections are going to come from. Well, a, a you know, the other thing, um, the other thing, Murph, that's so important about this, and and people don't talk a lot about it, but you know, families that go and visit do help um, uh, provide care. Uh, they help with bathing. They help with dressing. Sometimes, you know, people. Uh, are, are a little bit combative, and especially if they have dementia, and it's hard to dress them or bathe them, but their daughter can get them dressed. Um, 
So uh, I think that's also important, and we know that that there are some facilities out there that are really struggling with staffing. So um, whatever is best for the resident, I think that's what we have to focus on um, and and take care of those uh, that are most frail in our population. I agree. I, I guess the question that came to mind, and I guess it's probably maybe unfair to families, but should only one family member always make that trip if they're allowed inside, one designated family member because of maybe their age, their health situation? Does it make it harder for these uh, nursing facilities to have different people coming in all the time? They have to check them. How, how does that work, John? Uh, well, I can't speak to exactly how it works. I'll, I'll say that as long as the different individuals adhere to the rules and understand the rules and can get the appropriate testing done, um, I think that having multiple individuals come in uh, should be a reasonable thing to do. I think the question is, you get into a rhythm if you're the main visitor and you know kind of how to, how, to, how to do things where the outdoor patio is, how to get there safely and that kind of thing. But Jayla may have some Yeah, I think in the, in, the regular, in the draft regulations, there is a um, something talking about a designated caregiver um, uh, and that would identify. I don't think they're only singling. I, I don't think those guidelines are saying only one person can come in, but they're suggesting that there be someone like that to help um, with with residents' care and, and allow them more access. Um, so... Well, overall, it sounds like a pretty good idea, starting to let folks get in to visit their family. Don't you guys all agree with that? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm totally on board. I yeah. support that 100%. So, John, there's another question I want to ask you, kind of a, a little political thing going down in Douglas County. There's a representative there that's apparently uh, going to sue the governor over his mandate of wearing a mask at all times. Can you talk about that? What? Why would that even be going on? Um, well, you know, there's been a robust debate, Murph, about whether or not uh, uh, public health orders or mandates requiring people to wear masks uh, abridges uh, personal rights or constitutional rights. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a constitutional lawyer. Certainly, I I don't see anything in the Constitution that would apply to me that would abridge those rights. And I will say that during a public health emergency like we have during uh, the pandemic. Uh, I think the governor is likely to be well within his bounds to issue such a, a public health order. Um, I'll tell you that I hope it is found to be legal, as I presume it is, because I think it's made an enormous difference for us. I think that's a reason we can actually have schools get started. We can actually have uh, visitation to our senior care facilities because our community rates are low enough. So um, we'll see how it plays out. This is a, a, a feisty time, to say the least. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm uh, I'm hoping the governor's stance is going to be upheld. Well, I, I think we all agree with that. And I even if you feel like, okay, I, I have freedoms, wouldn't you just want to do it to be safe for you and your family and others just to wear the mask and not fight about it? Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, you don't have to persuade me. And the other thing I would add into that is if you are concerned about our businesses not being able to remain uh, as open as possible and the, the impact on them is economically, you'd also want as many of us as possible to wear masks because a low community rate is everybody's best friend. 
schools, senior care facilities, churches, restaurants, etc. We all benefit when the rates are low. And honestly, the best tool we've seen, apart from shutting everything down, which is super draconian, is the mandatory wearing of masks. Yeah. Are you still sending out uh, people to kind of monitor the traffic around malls and grocery stores and the like? Yeah, we are. We are. We had a little shortage of volunteers, but we think we've got that patched up, so we're continuing to do that. So they just and, what, sit in the parking lot? How does that work? Uh, you know, it's pretty simple. It's, uh, we have folks that uh, uh, go into a parking lot, sit in their car with a clipboard, and observe for maybe 20, 30 minutes or so. Uh, approximately 100 or so people going in into the store, and we're just noting, are they wearing a mask when they go in or not? And honestly, the rates have been fantastic. I mean, a pat on the back to our community. We're in all three of our counties running in the mid-90, 95, 96, 97%. I, I just, it's, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And if I thought, you know, we got it, we can do it, we don't need this, uh, business about a mandate. I, I, I'd be very happy to see the mandate go away. I, I am concerned that won't happen because when we instituted the mandate, uh, mass compliance went up in our monitoring by about 20%. And I think that made a, a really big difference. But we're going to continue to do that because we think it's a good barometer of, of whether or not uh, these uh, public health orders are being effective, at least at the compliance level. Well, to be honest, you've been talking all along here this morning about how great we're doing in Colorado with our COVID rates being down. Don't you think the mask is working, right? Um, I do, I'm a, I'm, and I'm not saying that just because I'm a story-eyed believer. I mean, I look at the data. I look and see what masks uh, can have been proven to do in the laboratory. I look at what they're known to do for flu, by the way. Let's don't forget to talk about flu. Masks actually have more data in preventing transmission for influenza than any other respiratory disease. So as we get into flu season, we know our vaccines are never perfect, and although we all want to get one this year, we're going to get an extra bonus by wearing masks. Agreed. I agree. And I know I brag about the fact my wife and I have already had our flu shots. We're ready. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's well, good. You guys are that's good. I didn't even know they were out, Murph. Well, I just walked into Walgreens. Hey, you got flu shots? They said, yeah, come on over. Then he took care of us. Pretty easy. Wow. Yeah. yeah Murph, Murph and I got ours on the same day. We're, we're like twins. It's like a bond. We're bonded now. I didn't even wow. know they were out. So, yeah. but, uh, and the last, I always worry that they'll run out before the flu season runs out. Well, because don't they have an effectiveness time? Well, you know what? I think we talked about that, didn't we, John? About the effectiveness did, of and, the flu and, shot? And, and, if, if you get it early? And, Jayla, you're right. They, they, they don't last forever, and there is some theoretical concern about getting them too early. Um, but I think right now, given what we face and given what we've seen in terms of duration of, of benefit of the last couple of years, it probably makes sense to go ahead now. We're almost in September and, uh, and get, uh, get the vaccines. I think, I think if you're thinking about it, if you're like Murph and you're in a place you can get it, just do it. Just yep. do it. Just it's do it. so hard to remember to go back sometimes and get that done. Sounds like a plan. Dr. John Douglas from Tri-County Health, we always appreciate you every week spending time with us because we know we're very busy, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Murph. Be well, Jayla. You guys take care.
Thanks, Dr. John. Appreciate talking to you. Thank you, Jayla, for joining us from Dr. Cog, the Denver Regional Council of Government's Area Agency on Aging. And thank you for listening to Mile High Magazine. I am Murphy Houston. Wear that mask. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you next week.